Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. This is Allison Adamelik, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And this is Robert Lamb, science writer at HowStuffWorks.com. And we are podcasting to you from the Georgia summer, which means... <laughs> Uh, mosquito heat and infest- mosquitoes. Yes, lots of mosquitoes. So let's talk about the obvious question out there. Do mosquitoes flock toward you? That seems to be like, like anytime I'm in an outdoor event like that and someone gets bitten by a mosquito, that's like the instant conversation topic because someone's always like, I'm mosquito bait. Or, or they'll be like, normally I get bit- bitten by mosquitoes and my husband doesn't. Or, you know, it's vice versa. I mean, it, it's something we all have some experience with, but I don't think any of us have necessarily figured it out. Exactly. So I had my in-law staying with us uh, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mother-in-law happens to be one of the people who, uh, she says, mosquitoes flock to. And she gets a lot of bites. And no kidding. She went up to um, sort of this loft spare room area that mm-hmm. we have a whole bunch of our stuff in and also our lovely guests get to stay in. And, uh, and keep she, it stocked with mosquitoes? No, she, that's the point. I mean, nothing's really, nobody's really ever up there. Uh-huh. You know, we never go up there. There's a fan going, you know, so maybe the fan would deflect mosquitoes. But she went up there and within minutes, she was bitten five times. Oh, I felt bad. I felt terrible. I felt like she lived, you know, she thought we lived in some, you know, mosquito-ridden hovel. But I think they really do like her. Wow. And and that comes down to the interesting question. Do mosquitoes really like some people more than others? Or is this just kind of, um, you know, barbecue hearsay? Well, you can you can count on science to get to the bottom of some of these mysteries. So we did a little digging. And as it turns out, they really do exhibit a preference for certain folks. So there was a back in 2001... A guy by the name of David W. Kelly published a paper in uh, Trends in Parasitology. And it was called, appropriately enough, Why Are Some People Bitten More Than Others? Whoa, these scientists and their titles. (laughs) I swear. I thought it was a pretty good one. Um, (laughs) In this case, Kelly says, humans will get bitten by blood-sucking insects infrequently. All of us are going to get a bite, Mm -hmm. right? Nobody's immune to it. But a special subset of that population will be, quote-unquote, heavily attacked. Okay, so let's quantify the numbers that that Kelly starts throwing around in this paper. So put 10 people in a room with, say, some Anopheles mosquitoes, and those are the notorious vectors for the malarial parasite, Mm -hmm. Plasmodium. And 20% or two of those people in that room are going to be responsible for passing on 80% of the disease. Okay, so let's let's talk about it again. Two people are going to pass on 80% of the disease, according to uh, Woolhouse et al. So that's pretty crazy. And so, I mean, that does seem to point toward the idea that, yes, in fact, mosquitoes do exhibit a preference. From a public health perspective, imagine if you could really home in on that 20% and figure out what makes them so attractive. I mean, not only would, you know, mosquitoes or companies interested in mosquito control be hugely interested in this. But the rest of us would want to hang out with them. <laughs> like, it's, there are mosquitoes everywhere. Call up uh, Charlie. I want him standing next to me. Right. And, you know, mosquito bites are annoying and we're kind of kidding at it. But, you know, when you think about all those people dying from malaria or other uh, mosquito-borne diseases, you know, it really stinks. Well, this is interesting. Um, and this is, this is a slight tangent here, but I, I, I uh, ran across uh, a really cool argument uh, for mosquitoes. Because mosquitoes are one of those things you know, frequently hear, like, why do we have mosquitoes? Like, if you know, if if there's a god in heaven, why did he create mosquitoes? That kind of thing. Um but one one interesting argument for them is that mosquitoes and their malaria 
have kept humans out of certain areas of the world for long periods of time, or at least kept them from expanding uh, into those areas in large numbers. So the the argument is that uh, if you are uh, you know a, um, an environmentalist or you know a tree hugger or whatever, um, then you really kind of have to thank mosquitoes for sort of protecting these areas up until modern times. That's definitely an interesting perspective. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't advocate getting rid of mosquitoes, nor could we ever, no, you know, reasonably hope to do it. But I do advocate, you know, uh, effective public health yes, interventions. Yes, definitely. I yeah, guess. because uh, especially when we're creating situations through overpopulation or poor water, uh, you know, storage management, et cetera, that encourages massive quantities of mosquitoes. So let's talk about some of the likes and dislikes. What's going on here? Who are the people getting all the bites? Yeah, well, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you're walking down the street, uh, you know, looking, trying to figure out which restaurant you're going to hit. You know, it's like there are different cues that are going to stand out to you and, and you know, may help you make up your mind about where you're going to eat. Right. And it's similar to mosquitoes. Uh, the big one, of course, is CO2. Yeah. Um, you know, which we're constantly exhaling. And bigger people give off more CO2. Right. This so, is not rocket yeah. science. So you guys gonna, know this. Yeah. So they're going to be drawn. They're going to be drawn into the larger people. And a lot of times that generally breaks down to, to men as well. Um, you know. Right. So they'll show a preference for an adult over a child mm-hmm. or, or a man over a woman. Right. Um, I was reading an article about this that Anna had, Anna had O'Connor in the New York Times had, had posted and he was saying that, yeah, um, it had been posited that women were sweeter because of estrogen and uh, thus mosquitoes favored them more. But the bigger size and thus all that heat and CO2 mm-hmm. are what really get mosquitoes excited and, you know, just biting. Yeah. They uh, there's they also think that uh, that pregnant ladies uh, may also attract them more. And but it comes down to the CO2 again, heavier breathing. Right, right. And, and doubtless, we're going to get a couple of listeners, uh, small listeners out there who swear that they are, you know, the ones who attract all the mosquitoes. And so size isn't the uh, the end all to be all, nor is uh, CO2. A couple other things factor into it. And and nobody knows mm-hmm. uh, the exact formula for attracting that mosquito, like we can stress. But we do know a couple of the factors. So CO2. Yeah. Being one of and, them. and and again, with CO2, it's like if you're if you're really active, uh, maybe you're a really active little person, you know, you're out there <laughs> jumping around. I don't know. You're you know, you're playing volleyball, shooting hoops, etc. Right, you're, you're all active because yeah. nobody's going to notice you because you're a small person. Yeah, so you have you're to- talking with your hands, etc. Then then, yeah, you're you're producing more CO2 and you're, you're likely to attract like like it's amazing how far away they can they can sense you. Right. Like they can they can smell a meal like one hundred and sixty five feet away. I'm, I'm not sure I could smell a meal 165 feet away unless it was like barbecue, uh, you know, off a truck and I was, and I was downwind of it maybe, but. Right. When you think about, they can cover up to a mile or a mile and a half in an hour. Uh, you know, they can cover some serious ground Mm -hmm. to get to you if they want. And then, okay. So let's talk about smell. Yeah. Are we wearing perfume? I assume you're not. I read one. Uh, <laughs> they make it sound like I, I stink in here or something. No, no, I'm not saying that you stink. But um, I did read one article that was talking, well, a uh, uh, comment to an article. And this woman was swearing that mosquitoes love Shalimar. Uh, what's Shalimar? It's, it's a lady's perfume. It's okay. kind of old school. But so are you wearing perfume? This could attract it. And then less good smelling things attract mosquitoes. But what's the perfect stinky combo? Um, well, it's sounding like from, from what we've covered so far, if you were a large, out of breath person, um, who moved your hands, who moves their hands, then you're, you're probably pretty attractive. Wearing shallow yeah. And if you really want to tip the scales, start drinking a bunch of beer. 
Because that's a, that's because there's a, there are a lot of like weird myths out there. I was actually at a, a thing last night where there were a lot of mosquitoes around, and people I was asking people, it's like, hey, well, you know, we're doing this podcast tomorrow. Uh, what have you heard? Um, actually, like attracts mosquitoes, and like I heard bananas. Um, I, I mean, if you eat bananas, it'll attract <laughs> mosquitoes. Um, let's see what were some of the others? Um, garlic. garlic, garlic floats around there. Yeah, the vitamin B twelve. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, so I was, I was researching some of these because you brought these to my attention and I went on the American Mosquito Control Association site. And so bear in mind the source, the American Mosquito Control Association, they're bound to have some industry interest, but, um, they said that no, garlic, vitamin B12, all this other systemics don't in fact prevent the mosquitoes from biting and the bananas don't necessarily attract them either. Mm-hmm. The, my favorite fact from this particular website was they mentioned that Limburger cheese has yeah. also been found to be attractive to mosquitoes. And they took it one step farther. They said that uh, perhaps that attraction to Limburger cheese was because they resembled the it resembled the smell of human feet. OK, so. Big okay. person <laughs> out of breath, talking with your hands, drinking beer and then maybe eating Limburger cheese or just having really stinky feet. Also, not sitting under a fan, because if you're yeah. hanging out under a fan, uh, then... That's going to disperse, like, the CO2. Like, you're not just going to be setting in, like, this big bubble of CO2 funk. Yeah, and, and I, I, you know, often they say, you know, have a fan going because they it keeps them away from, you know, the meal area, you know, if you're having a picnic or whatever. So uh, so I guess it, it works in that regard, too. Stirs, it stirs up the CO2, keeps it from settling in and just being a big bat signal for mosquitoes. So let's get into uh, an experiment that checked out one of these factors, and uh, it was alcohol, in fact. And uh, it was it was according to a paper published in PLOS One, PLOS One, in uh, back in March 2010. It had a most excellent title. It said, uh, "Beer consumption increases human attractiveness to malaria mosquitoes." Yeah, so you can look up the paper if the you guys want, if you're so title. inclined. It, it reminds me of something that uh, might be in the. What is the ignoble prizes? What's that journal? Um, improbable research. Yeah, this seems like a title that could appear in improbable research. But no, it was not improbable. In fact, it was probable and it was carried out, uh, in Burkina Faso, an area of Africa that sees a fair amount of malaria. So let's check out what th- would happen with this experiment. Okay. Like most of you guys listening, researchers notice that malaria and alcohol consumption represent some pretty big public health problems. Mm-hmm. So they decided to investigate the links between the two. Seems like a good idea, right? Right. So here's what they did. And it didn't involve getting a bunch of participants drunk and <laughs> letting them hang out with a bunch of bloodthirsty mosquitoes. Yeah, because that's what I thought it was going to be, you know, really cruel. <laughs> kind of like some of these other experiments we've we've encountered where, like, a scientist will invite some people over and they think it's a cocktail party, but it's really a psychological experiment. <laughs> no. there There's a whole section in the paper devoted to ethics, so... These researchers took the ethical steps. So what they did was they got 43 adult males uh, between ages 20 and 43. And they're from, of course, Burkina Faso to participate in their study. So they randomly assigned their uh, their beer drinking participants to, this is the big disappointment for somebody who signed up, to the beer group or the water group, <laughs> right? Because you have to have a control group. Right. And the beer in question was a local beer called Dolo. Dolo. And it's pretty low consu- uh, low content, three percent alcohol content, and it's the most popular drink in the region. Huh. So it makes sense to to test it out with the most popular drink in the region. And 
not just the beer, not just the participants. They had to get some mosquitoes, right? Mm-hmm. And so they rounded up some Anopheles gambia mosquitoes that were present in the villages uh, for the experiment. Mm-hmm. And they reared them in a lab and they made sure that the females they're going to use, because you guys know that females are the mosquitoes that are biting, not the males. Yeah, that's that's my thing. I don't really have any problem with the male mosquitoes. It's the ladies that are awful. It is the ladies that are awful. And uh, I mean, why do they why do they need the, the blood meal? Oh, they got babies to feed, right? Yeah, they got eggs to nourish to. Yeah. So 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 they got their female mosquitoes. They got them good and hungry. And since they're not going to be counting the mosquitoes on their participants, they had to rely on something called an olfactometer. Have like a smelloscope kind of a thing? <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Uh, it's it's a device that labs may use to disperse an odor precisely. Oh, okay. So not a smell. It's like a, like a, a stink gun, if you will. A smell I've, gun, an odor distributor. Is there such thing as a stink gun? Or are you just totally making that up here? I, I'm, the just, I'm just trying chamber? to like picture it in my head. It's, uh, it shoots an odor, right? It directs, directs an odor. An odor. Okay. It directs an odor. So here's what they did. They got their participants, the beer drinking ones and the water drinking ones. They sat them in a tent. They pointed a fan at the, at their participants and the, the fan directed the body odor toward the olfactometer <laughs> and they measured the attractiveness before, uh, giving them water or beer. How are you going to measure somebody's attractiveness? It's not, you know, hey, he's cute. Hey, mm-hmm. he's not. Oh, that guy really needs to do something with his eyebrows. No. Because you're trying to appeal to a mosquito, and right. there just hasn't been a lot of, like, the, the advertising industry hasn't really been going after that demographic. Yeah, they really, really haven't. So they measured attractiveness with the help of the olfactometer. Okay. So you have a bunch of mosquitoes sitting uh, at the box, uh, at the base of this uh, Y-shaped olfactometer. So do you have that kind of in your head? It's at the the base, of the, the tail of the Y. There's a box mm-hmm. there. Okay. Okay, and then you're going to have the stem of the Y coming up, and then it's going to branch off into the two arms of the Y. Okay. See that? Yeah. Okay. So at first, they had these mosquitoes kind of just sitting at this base box at the tail of the Y, and they defined attractiveness by how many mosquitoes you induced to fly toward the yummy bot odor smell. So to fly toward the arms of the Y, right? Okay. So they call that activating, how many mosquitoes you activated. Mm-hmm. And they measured this. Um, so they would blow the odor of, of a beer a uh, drinking person, a water drinking person. Yeah, how many mosquitoes are you making fly toward the arms of the Y? It's kind of like a little, like a, it's like a maze kind of, right? I mean, not really a maze, but it just, it, a, right, yeah, a sealed it is. road that forks two ways. Exactly. Which road are they going to take? Yeah. Yeah. The beer road or the water road? Right. It right. looks like something out of the wasp factory. It's really, really cool. I think I saw a picture of it. It is pretty neat. Yeah. I, I didn't know such things existed. And it, it seems like a pretty simple operation. Once you, once you think about it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just how many mosquitoes you induced to fly. They had to pick the right road that you were just talking about. So are they going to orient toward the water one or the beer one? And sure enough, they found, uh, the researchers found that the, the mosquitoes oriented toward the, uh, the beer one. In fact, 65% of them, um, flew upwind and chose the arm with the beery odor. Hmm. So mosquitoes like beer. No surprise there. Huh. So what? So what's the big deal here? You're only going to be able to fight malaria or, or other uh, insect-borne diseases if you know who who's at risk. In Burkina Faso, the dolo drinking ones may be. So if you have knowledge of this risk factor, then you can help public health officials uh, devise effective interventions. Yeah. The thing that really interests me about all this is that it you kind of have this, or at least I kind of, I find myself having this sort of mindset where it's like mosquitoes are just going to bite everybody, and there's not really any rhyme or reason to it unless. Unless you're wearing, you know, 
some sort of uh, off or something on you or, you know, or head to toe in garments. But, but it's really kind of, it's more like a, like a predator, like, and like in the Serengeti, like prowling, you know, the, you see, you see any of the, you know, like anytime you watch like, uh, planet earth or life and you see like a cheetah stalking something, it's like, like what do the predators always go after? They always go after like the, the animal they can catch something weak, something, something, uh, you know, maybe it's a wounded animal or an old one, the, the one that's not going to run as fast. So you're a mosquito, you're kind of doing the same thing. You want to go after that, you know, the large, because you want a good meal out of it, you know, the, like the large, slow, drunk guy at the, Who's at the party. Who's not going to be able to swat you yeah, away. Exactly. Yeah. That, that, uh, like that short person who hasn't had anything to drink, like that's Yeah, that a, short person who's like smashing the, you know, what are those things on the badminton net? The uh, shuttlecocks? Shirt- Birdie? <laughs> shuttlecocks? I don't know. Uh, right. Who's, you know, doing the outdoor sports and he's moving all around. Well, Although, no, no, no. If they're no, moving right? around, yeah, they might get winded. True. And then you got a winded person. Right. They're not going to have the energy. And they're moving. Yeah. So. So it's that, it's that, I think it's that, that small, uh, still person who hasn't <laughs> had anything to drink and doesn't smell funny. It's like going next to them and trying to get a meal off of that neck. You're, you're going to get swatted. Right, right. Yeah. So all these cues correlate on an evolutionary level with how well a host is able to defend itself. Yeah. And the people that are less able to defend themselves, yeah, mosquitoes are going after them. And unfortunately, that means if you're large or pregnant or some other combination of those factors. It it brings to mind, you know, as people are always throwing outdoor events and you want you want to prevent, you know, mosquitoes from coming after people. What if like some entrepreneur out there started hiring themselves out as mosquito bait? Like they'll, their, their whole deal is like, look, I will show up at your party and I will drink a lot of beer and run around in circles. And, <laughs> and the mosquitoes are going to come after me and you guys can just do what you want, carry on, have a good time and just, you know, ignore me. Right. It would be like citronella, but way more effective yeah. and entertaining. Exactly. Yeah. So we'd like to hear uh, how you guys weigh out on the scale. Are you, do mosquitoes love you? Do they stay away from you like the plague? Do mm-hmm. let us know. Send us an email at stuff at howstuffworks.com. And we sure do get email at uh, science stuff at howstuffworks.com. In fact, I see you got two in your hand right now. Do you want to read those? I'm sorry. I was just waiting for the, the listener mail sound effect to oh, be given yeah. ample space. That's a pretty cool effect we got. I like it. Yeah. Okay. I think that was a good enough pause. Um, so we got some email from Maman, and it looks like... Well, no, that's her email name. Her real name is Gretchen. Gretchen N. And Gretchen N. used to work for uh, the city of Chicago's Department of Environment. And she worked on it while the rooftop garden was being planned and built on the city hall. So that's pretty cool. So she really had some inside scoop on the the Chicago green rooftop that we were talking about that podcast. Gretchen, however, proposed an interesting idea. And she was saying that if you can't put a green roof on your house, there are other alternatives. Uh, she writes, when my husband and I rehabbed our house, we knew that we wanted a greener roof, so we chose a standing seam metal roof. Being metal, it naturally reflects solar energy back into space, and we included a special coating to increase the alb- albedo. The color of the roof is champagne. Doesn't that sound nice? A champagne-colored roof? A champagne-colored metal roof. Yeah. Okay. has a reflectivity of 0.45 and an emissivity of 0.78. And, huh. of course, she's found that her AC costs have dropped significantly, and the upstairs is far more comfortable. Well, that's cool. Yeah, pretty cool, Gretchen. And she also wrote that uh, the biggest problem she had uh, when she was getting the green roof together was finding builders to take her seriously. Hmm. She hadn't been insistent about wanting this roof and educating the builder. 
she probably would have wound up with asphalt shingles. So go Gretchen, sticking to your green guns. Yeah. We also heard it from a couple of you guys on our Smart Grid podcast. And uh, one was from Sean, who goes by the nickname Speedy. I love that. <laughs> and Sean wrote in to tell us that he, in fact, works in the electric utility field for a company that develops outage management and smart grid software. So oh. this is the guy to go to with questions. Mm-hmm. Sean, where were you when we were developing this podcast? And uh, I was wondering during the podcast, I don't know if you guys remember, if businesses would be okay with electricity demand pricing. Remember mm-hmm. we were talking about that? speculating, you know, about whether it would drive up cost and teleworking and different measures. Um, So he, Sean writes that, yeah, I can confirm that today companies will shift their operations to different times or turn off various systems to save money. In exchange, they get a discounted rate for all the power usage from the utilities. And uh, he also writes that uh, what utilities find is that when consumers are given the choice and information, they will better use power. Excellent. This kind of ties into a blog post I want to do about persuasive technology. Well, it it's also reminds me of, uh, you know, the, the little uh, displays they put up on the side of the road to uh, tell you what speed you're going. And it starts flashing at you if you're a little over the – if you're at or over the speed limit. Yeah. And they say those actually are pretty effective, you know, because it's kind of it, – it gives you the information. And you just kind of – like sometimes I think just subconsciously start regulating it. But if you had, you know, an actual dollar sign uh, tied up in it, you know, even more so. Um, and then we ha- heard from a guy named John who wrote in, uh, with some smart grid comments. And John specifically had an idea for fighting vampire energy. What he wants to do is he wants to make an app on the iPhone that can control the electric switches in the house while connected, uh, to your Wi-Fi. And so the Wi-Fi is constantly on. And the big selling point of the application, he writes, is instead of just a master switch, is that software is programmable. So you could program certain switches to turn off with a command on the phone. And, you know, program a no one is home this way. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you wouldn't wind up cutting the power to your alarm clock because you got to have your alarm clock on all the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so that's pretty cool. As long as I could figure out the iPhone app. Yeah, some, of, some I, of them are designed a little weird. Yeah, yeah, and I guess I would have to have an iPhone too. Yeah, so. And the last one, just uh, Bram from... Uh, Canada writes, he lives in Manitoba, Canada, and he was saying he was uh, struck by a comment made about why the energy utilities are encouraging efficiency and reduced consumption of electricity at the consumer level. Uh, so he, he lives in Manitoba, and it's a net exporter of electricity. Mm-hmm. So those guys make extensive use of hydroelectric power to generate electricity, and with a relatively small population, we're able to sell electricity to neighboring provinces and states, right? So the incentive there is built in for, for Bram and his uh, fellow folks in Manitoba. So it's pretty interesting. I, 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 I did like hearing a lot about um, how people are experiencing, you know, smart grid and smart grid technology just because it is sort of a newer concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The great thing about, especially with feedback, is that the smart grid is something that's happened, that's in the process of happening. And it's happening at various levels, you know, from, again, from the user level to the power generation level and every step in between. And so we got to hear from, you know, a few different people, um, you know, along that, that long line of distribution. Yeah. So again, we always love to hear from you. So send us an email at science stuff at howstuffworks.com or you can go to the site too. Yeah. Check out, uh, check us out. We're on Facebook, uh, stuff in the science lab and we're on Twitter as lab stuff. And we'll keep that updated, uh, you know, pretty much daily with uh, our latest articles, latest blog posts, and uh, latest podcast topics. All right. Thanks for listening. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? 
check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. <laughs>